Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. All right, let's burn some toast. It's a Thursday. We're going to have a, a semi-football Friday on Thursday. Not entirely, not totally. But uh, I have my co-host, Amo Calamino, with me today. He said he's got better things to do on Friday than to be on here talking to me. So uh, I dragged him in here on a Thursday to talk some college football and NFL football, get everyone ready for the uh, football weekend. Amo, you're going to watch some FBI New York City calls. New York yes. City calls. Well, I'm going for, you, for the Heisman. They invited me. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah. Well, they yeah. didn't invite. They didn't invite Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette. So consider yourself very, very <laughs> lucky to uh, to have had this happen for you. Uh, wear wear proper clothing, please. No jeans. <laughs> no jeans. No jeans. Not a good look when you walk up there to get your award. Oh, you well, think you could I, lift that I, thing? Could, you think no, you could lift that Heisman, I, or would you fall? Yeah, I mean, if you put me on a bench, it would probably be like I would have to work out with it. Yeah, um, <laughs> listen, I've seen some pretty um, strong athletes, uh, you know, show grit their teeth when they pick that thing up. So there you go. Oh yeah, because they want to they want to be a tough guy. They don't want to use both arms, so they figure I'm going to lift this thing with one hand, and they realize what does it weigh? Like 60 pounds or some goofy thing. <laughs> you know what? I'm you know I was just about to look that thing up because you know it's it's a wonderful thing. You know my kids do homework, and uh, I think it's just such a great thing. You could just go type something into a computer and find it. You remember what we had to do? Oh yeah. You remember that? That's what I tell uh, I mean, my kids all the time. Don't listen to people. Like, when you hear older people tell you how good the good old days were, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's some good memories that there, and, and some things that we could do when we were younger that kids can't do today. But by and large, when people say, oh, yeah, it was so good back then, no, it wasn't. It's, I mean, it was go- good for us because we didn't know any better. We didn't know, right. like, uh, we, yeah, we didn't know that head into the, the Buck Dewey Rogers Decimal era. System. And- you remember that? When you were in school and they teach oh, you the Dewey yeah, Decimal sure. System? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Look, doing research involved going to a library, probably climbing several floors, looking at little numbers on books, walking from aisle to aisle, getting frustrated, probably cursing out loud in an area where you can't even speak. Um, and then you, what you need might be on microfiche. I'm not even going to begin to explain uh, to people what that is, but it's just very complicated. Research was research back then. Now, man, bang the keyboard, you got what you need. Do you it's remember crazy. the pleasure of using microfiche when you'd go and you'd, that machine, you'd start scrolling through, and then you'd go buy something, and you'd have to go back, and then by the time you found what you wanted, you had to print. I mean, damn, I mean, getting an article took you two hours. <laughs> no, it was, it, was it like, sucked. And, like, hold your button on that search thing too long, and it it would fly off the reel. Oh man, yeah. 
Yeah, you lose your. But you know the bad thing. By the way, though, you can push a button, but it doesn't guarantee that what you're reading is is truthful or accurate. That's the that see that is the danger of of, of Google as we oh, like that to say. Is Google true. trusted websites yes. websites only. I mean, there is a lot of with more information comes more misinformation. So uh, the lazy guy still can get banged up out there on uh, on some research. You know what I mean? Um, even yeah. Wikipedia might lead you wrong every now and then so there you go uh wikipedia has told me however though that the heisman trophy weighs 25 pounds uh you know not as not exceptionally heavy but when you're walking up to that trophy and you're not expecting it to be that heavy 25 pounds can seem like uh, a good 50 60 well, i mean picture pounds, so. picture if you were in a suit and tie and you know all of a sudden from behind my back i pull a little quarter plate out from the weight room and hand it to you i mean it might make you flip you yeah, can grab with one it, hand there would there would be some kind of an effect. Do you have a uh, a vote? You know, not not a not a literal one, but uh, who's your vote for the Heisman? Mm, you know, this year is probably one of the toughest ever, and I'm going to tell you, I don't want to put so much stock in in the game McCaffrey played against my team because I just saw it; it was fresh. I'm trying to look at the whole body of work. Um, it's hard for me not to vote for the kid from Bama breaking Walker's record in a conference where, where you know, there's some really good run defenses and they play some pretty mm. good run defense. Um, mm. so, so I would probably vote for Henry with, with McCaffrey, a very close second. And the kid from Clemson's a, in, in many years, he'd probably have a good shot, but it's just this year it's, you know, I think, I think it's, it's, it's McCaffrey's or Henry and I, I'd vote for Henry. Probably put my uh, you know, I, I agree it's a tough year. Um, here's, my, here's my deal. Um, it's hard not to be impressed with what McCaffrey's doing. Uh, the Pac-12 is a good conference. He's gone out game after game and game in, game out, and put up you know some serious numbers, not just rushing the ball, but in the return game, catching the ball out the backfield. Truly is a very, very valuable player to Stanford. If he was if, were he not there, I don't know what Stanford would really be this year. Um, the problem I got with Henry is the amount of times they've given him the ball. Um, I watched him in that Florida game. They had a significant lead, was really wondering why he was still in the football game. This was one week removed from getting 47 carries, came back, got 44 carries the next week. It was almost like they pushed uh, the man in that you know direction, like they kind of went overboard with it. Uh, yeah. I understood he was chasing the record, so I get that, you know, a chance at history, whatever, but... Uh, you give a guy the ball that much, you know, expect good things to happen. If he's if he's at Alabama and he's an Alabama athlete running uh, behind an Alabama line, so kind of takes away a little bit from it for me. I, I I like Watson. I mean, look at where Clemson is. Clemson has not been here, Amos, since 1981. Uh, I mean, that's yeah, a I long mean, time. I mean, I mean, I was alive. You to could see make a it, case but, for him. Yeah, I I mean. And, you know, he's a guy I saw live and in person, uh, and he destroyed my school, un- unfortunately. Um, and he was a good part of that. And he's, you know, a very dynamic guy, throwing the ball, running the ball. And I think you got to really take a serious look at Deshaun Watson, considering well, let's, let's where, do this what, when we're, when we're at it. Let's, so let's have a little fun here, because that's what we can do. We, have, we don't have college to talk about necessarily today. Okay, mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson this season, um, passing the football, He's completed almost 70% of his passes, which is unbelievable. Great. Uh, yeah, great. 20, 287 for, uh, out of 413. That means he's throwing the ball enough to, to have a great sample size. 3,500 yards 
passing, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks. He's run the football 163 times for 887 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's outstanding. I mean, that, yeah, that's, it's outstanding. Yeah, it's almost a thousand yard rusher. You know, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I mean, unbelievable. Um, I think that I think he's kind of getting overlooked in this whole thing. I don't know who's going to go to my my guess. Uh, my guess is is going to end up going to the guy from Bama because it's kind of their. Well, now it's, let's uh, do this. Wait, you know, stay I, with me. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Christian McCaffrey. He ran the ball 319 times for Stanford. Who, by the way, for those of you who don't watch Pac-12 football, has a very very good offensive line. Just so you know, not taking mm-hmm. anything away from him, but they mm-hmm. have a really good offensive line. Uh, he had uh, 1,847 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground. He caught 41 passes, and I can attest to it, one of them for 67 yards in <laughs> my team. Um, caught 41 passes for 540 yards uh, and four mm-hmm. TDs. And as a kick returner, he returned 37 kickoffs for an average of 29 yards per attempt, and he returned 14 punts, not much there on the punt returns. Uh, you know, he did have return a kickoff for a touchdown. Um, and then let's let's take one last look. That's his stat line. And then let's go to Henry and have some fun here and see what, what his overall stat line. And maybe, you know, I mean, they're all deserving. And this, it's, like I said, sure. this is just one of those years where I think, you know, you have a really close – close race. Uh, Henry ran the ball 339 times, so if my math serves me correct, what, 28, 27 carries a game. He had 1,986 yards, 5.9 yards in attempt, 23 touchdowns. He only caught 10 passes, and not much at all, nothing in the kick return game. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's close. I think, I think if you say what do they mean to their team, the more I think about the point you bring up, um, and, you know, this is a hypothetical. We're speculating. I think if you remove Deshaun Watson from Clemson, they're probably still a pretty good team, but a couple losses in there. Um, I'm not sure how much removing Henry does to Alabama. I'm not sure there's not somebody else that could, or a group of players that could run that, uh, you know, on that roster. I don't know Alabama's roster enough, but I do know that they usually have several running backs. No, I don't think there was another running back on that roster that would have done what Henry did. Uh, Kenyon Drake's a pretty good running back. Uh, he would have been a thousand yard rusher for sure. He would have had some electric moments. Would he have uh, approached or passed Herschel Walker's record? I doubt it. Um, the best running back on that roster played and played a lot and got the ball a lot. Um, do we penalize Derrick Henry for being on the, you know, one of the best dynastic teams uh, we've ever known? Maybe you do. Uh, maybe you do, you know, do something like that. I'm just impressed by where Clemson is, um, what they've been able to accomplish as a program that really hasn't been this far in in a while. And uh, here's what Watson I think hurts. Here's what I think hurts Watson. Here's what I think hurts Watson. One. Um, He's going up against a guy from Alabama. That so there's the Alabama factor, and you know what I mean. There, there's certain teams that when a guy's on the board for the Heisman, and you know Alabama's one of them, Notre Dame, Ohio mm-hmm. State, USC, you get guys sure. from those schools on the board. Michigan, you get the factor of as we as I call them at least on the show, the old blue bloods. I mean, they're the, the you know they're the the programs that you know basically you remember when you think of great games in college football. So people have trouble, I think, when they vote voting against those. Number two. There's no doubt about it. You, I think you've got an SEC factor here, um, of course. You know, and a media factor. You know, the ESPNs of the world, they they tend to like the SEC a lot. So I think it's going to be hard for an ACC guy to upset them. But that doesn't mean it can't happen because we don't know what these guys. I mean, it's it's you know, you could make a case this year. I think without 
with you you wouldn't piss a lot of people off voting for any of these guys first. I think they're all deserving. I know that sounds like a cop out, but mm-hmm. you know, to me none of them would be an upset. Sure. Uh, I would agree with that. No doubt. I would definitely agree with that. So, uh it may end up being the closest Heisman trophy race we've ever seen. Uh, just based on um, the things that we've laid out here, each guy being very, very valuable to their team, none of the, uh, all of them having some unique accomplishments from a statistical standpoint. And uh, I, I don't know, I guess the craziest thing is that two great running backs couldn't even make it to New York. Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette, you couldn't have told me four weeks ago, you couldn't have told anyone four or five weeks ago, Leonard Fournette would not even be in New York. I mean, he was your front runner. And uh, now he's not even in New York City for for this thing. So uh, it's well, funny how quick things can turn. This is, you know, it's not most valuable player. It's best player. I mean, like, you, we could probably make a case, and that's what I was doing before, and you were right what you're saying. We're not voting most valuable here. I mean, in other words, you could probably make the case that Alabama could maybe have got a 12-1 record without Henry. Um, I know Stanford would not be 11-2 and or 12-2 and without McCaffrey, 11-2. and there's no way I sure. watch it, but I watched both. I was at the first Stanford USC game, and I watched the second one very closely last weekend. And trust me, that team is not 11 and two without that kid. And I'm pretty certain. But so now, Clemson, does it become an MVP thing? Uh, is that what? This I don't is, think it or? is. I think yeah. that's the point. I think your point is is valid. What you're saying, we uh, do we really penalize a kid because that you know because he plays on a really good team that's been good for the last seven eight years Alabama since Saban's got there has been strong for seven or eight years is it fair to penalize the kid I don't think so I mean I'm pretty sure Watson you know Clemson's not a 13 and 0 team without that quarterback but I mean are we penalizing Henry for that is that his fault I mean yeah um you know I think I'm forced to agree with that I you know in years past you could pretty much say who's going to get this thing um, yeah, I'm not sure. Though I think it's probably going to end up in the hands of Henry, and you know, in this well, last weekend, you know, what else in the championship Chad? game, what's that? What could be big here? The second and the way they align their their ballot, because I think it could be tight. You know, you you might get these guys kind of getting close on the first place vote. So you know, it may come down to you know how many guys throw one guy second and the other guy third. You know, you know what I'm saying? I think right, it could, it could right, get right. Be, be no. that close. Yeah, you're correct on that. You're you're definitely correct on that. So, uh, will be an interesting Heisman Trophy race for us to watch. Uh, one of the more interesting things that uh, is going on in this college football season. There's a college football playoff that's coming up that we will talk about uh, later on in the show. But NFL is up, and we will talk about the games coming up this weekend and give our picks in the next segment. So please stay tuned for that and. Uh, We've got uh we've got some things that we need to get to here and also uh for you all tuning in I will have Nick Delatore on at the bottom of the hour to talk some Gators football and Bud Elliott at the top of the next hour to talk uh Florida State Seminoles football. Uh nothing going on this weekend but we can kind of wrap up things on the season. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back right after this break. <laughs> Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. 
They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Someone was trying to sell us on uh, being this. This was going to be a really good NFL game, a Thursday night NFL game tonight. Arizona taking on Minnesota, you know, two heavyweights in the NFC, trying to sell us that bill of goods. Why is Arizona a 10-point favorite in this game? Like, uh, I think I think Las Vegas is calling the NFL a liar. I got a pick for you in this game. I can talk a little bit about the game, some, some things I think that uh, – Maybe they're I'm saying Arizona, or, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Minnesota's losing. Why don't, well, why don't we go not, do this? Why don't we do when we're going through the games? Say, if you have a pick, we'll elaborate, right, since we don't have a, much college football to talk about other than you know outside the field stuff. And uh, we'll mm-hmm. give the pick if we have a pick on the game. And at the end, we can summarize because obviously people might lose track of what we actually gave as picks. How's that? Say what? No, I got you. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have this game tonight. That's my thought. I do have game. a pick on like this game tonight. 
Yeah, me yeah, too. I have you, I have you, a you couple must, reasons. You here. must plead a fifth. Serious lying suspicion. Okay, uh, as you just laid out, uh, all of a sudden they're going to give me an eight and four team. Okay, and they're going to hand me ten points. That just doesn't seem right. Now, what I see here in this game is a couple things. Uh, the Vikings, when they do lose, at least the last couple times in big games, they tend to get hammered. I mean, mm-hmm. Green Bay walked into Minnesota, beat them by 17. Last week, Seattle did them pretty good at home by 30, 31 points. Mm-hmm. Now they go short week to Arizona. Arizona's still in the hunt, theoretically, for home field advantage. Quietly playing great football on both sides of the ball, and that's the difference to me in this game. Arizona plays really good defense. They give up 19 points a game. They have a great offense. They're scoring over 30 a game. you got an offensively challenged Vikings team. If they fall behind in this game, it could get ugly. And they're kind of beat up. If you look, if you look, they have some injuries, like some pressure players like Anthony Barr is probably not playing tonight. Uh, I don't think the short week bodes well for them here. I think that they get behind a little bit in this game and, and find themselves on the wrong end of a score, something like 31-13, something like that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. This is a, a, a second road game in three weeks. It's a short week. Uh, I don't think they've had enough chance to recover from the concussion that Seattle gave them, a complete and total beatdown. They end up with a season-low 31 yards rushing in that game, and they just got manhandled. Um, and you don't have enough time to fix stuff uh, when you got to line up and go hit the road for a Thursday game. So this will be another, in my opinion, ugly. Is this an official pick for you? This is an official pick for me. It is not. It is is not an official pick for me, though. Okay, I'm I'm taking Arizona minus the 10 tonight. I think that's a – I really think they're going to put one on Minnesota. Yeah, um, and you know we'll we'll recap at the end exactly what are what are the official picks, but uh, I'm I'm with you on that one. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Now I have a, an official pick on that one, so I'll listen to you here and. and uh, Me too. I mean, I got all mine out of the way pretty early. Uh, this is another <laughs> game where I think you know for some reason it seems to me that Vegas has we're been on selling a, we're on the bank. same side on this one. I'm I'm pretty sure, but yes, go ahead. Well, Vegas has been selling the Bengals short all season. I mean, you know, and, and, and some, and some, to some degree, I guess we have too. A lot of the public, you know, people like us, you know, we're looking at them. They had a couple stumbles in the center. They had that ugly game against Houston, which I think a lot of people had a tough time getting out of their mind. And then they went to Arizona, who I just spoke about glowingly, and lost a great game, 34-31. Other than that, it's been all wins and some impressive ones for the Bengals. I mean, they've been sure. hammering people the last couple of weeks. And Pittsburgh rolls in, and, you know, there's not, not a lot of – I like about Pittsburgh. I know people are going to look and say, oh, look at they can score. But they go to Seattle. They put up 30. They let a team like Seattle, it's not a great offensive club, put almost 40 points up on them. And last week's game against the Colts was against a 40-year-old backup quarterback on the road for the Colts. So, mm, whatever. You know, I just I just think the Bengals are, you know, this is a game they circle. The Steelers are the big boys in the division, and the Bengals know that, you know, to be division champs, it goes through Pittsburgh. And I think they want to do that at home. And I, I like Cincinnati minus three in this game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I knew we'd be on the same side on this one. Cincinnati's playing outstanding football. When you go back and look at the last six games that Cincinnati has played, here's what they've given up defensively: three points, seven points. They had the 34-point game. Uh, I believe that was a Thursday night game on the road against Arizona. Was I wrong? That was yep. a prime time. No, game, no, no. It was, it, was a, yeah, it was a night it was a game. Sunday, Sunday night, night game. game. Yeah. Yes. Um, so an anomaly there, and then before that game, they gave up 10 to Houston, 10 to Cleveland, and 10 to these same Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. So right here in this rematch, I think you know, you're know you strong enough to win 
uh, on the road last time against this Pittsburgh team. I think coming back home, you're playing great ball. Everything's running smooth. You're running the ball well. You're doing well defensively. They haven't given up a 100-yard rushing game in five games now. And Pittsburgh doesn't look like they really want to get into running the ball. They did it last week, but they really haven't done it consistently. I think Pittsburgh gets back to wanting to throw the ball around this week, and it's going to be to uh, their detriment. And I think three points is a pretty small number to you know to ask Cincinnati to cover here. I'm uh, to to your point about the public and Las Vegas selling Cincinnati short. They're ten one and one against the number this year. I think that continues. This is another small number. Another. Yeah, quasi slap in the face for Cincinnati that I think they'll they'll handle. So I'm going to take the Bengals uh, at home as a field goal favorite in this one. I think we're getting a gift. All right. And I won't look I, at it. I, I won't look this horse in the mouth. I'll run with the Cincinnati Bengals here. Okay. We're on the same yeah, side. Yeah, sliding like. down. I, you know, well, I left this hanging in limbo here. A oh, bit of a bit of a bad blood game here. Lashawn McCoy has said, "Yeah, hey, I've got nothing against Chip Kelly, but he can't look at me. Don't smile in my direction. Don't shake my hand. Don't walk near me. Don't bump shoulders with me when you see me walk around. But otherwise, I'm cool with Chip. It's the funniest thing yeah, I've I ever like heard. Chip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, like me, uh, I got no problem with the man. Just he better not look me in the eyes uh, pregame, or it might be something. Yeah. So, uh, we, you know, Buffalo coming to town. Um, I'm sure Rex Ryan's going to have LaShawn McCoy as a captain because that's what Rex does. Uh, and this thing will be a little heated. Philadelphia coming off of, um, you know, is that a win there? A much needed win for them. Um, as they took out New England, you know what happens after that. You get a little big-headed. You get a little stupid. You get a little dumb. I think Philadelphia will fall on their face here and uh, probably end up losing to this Buffalo team. That You know what? It's playing decent football. Yeah, they've only won one of their last three, but they were at Kansas City and at New England in those games. Matter of fact, they were in a three-game stretch there that included playing at the Jets, at New England, at Kansas City. That's as hard as it comes in the National Football yeah, League. I mean, so. I almost made Buffalo pick. The only thing that scares me is, even it's, even as a short number of one and a half, I, I'm always hesitant to take a team like Buffalo as a road favorite. But that said, I, on paper, this doesn't match up well for Philly. Bradford doesn't mm. like to get hit, what quarterback does, but he really doesn't like mm. to get hit. He gets happy feet. You know when you play Rex Ryan – you know he's going to hit you. He's going to bring pressure. Sure. You, you know you may hit a couple big ones on him, but he's going to hit you. And uh, you know I just don't like what I see when Bradford does when that happens to him. So for for me, if I'm playing the game, I'd take Buffalo. But again, I'm a little hesitant because they're a road favorite, even if it is a small price. Yeah, um, and, and that's kind of where I I was. I was close to making this a pick two. It was one I really really considered. I just wish the number was a little larger. It, had this thing gone over three, I'd be all over Buffalo in this one. But um, well, you know the thing you got to watch together, with, with the Eagles, and I know Eagle fans are giddy last week. And hey, don't get me wrong, a win is a win is a win, especially against New England. But I mean, they got a lot of help in that game. I mean, that was the tip. Of, the Patriots uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically came unraveled in that game. We talked about that. On the Monday show, you know, they had a punt block. They gave up a punt return for a touchdown. They threw a 100-yard pick six where they're going in for three, maybe seven, and it turns into seven for the Eagles. I mean, there was just a lot of things that you could put in the uh, outlier category. I'm not so sure. But give them props, though, for being close enough in a game to where something like that could decide the outcome. I'll I'll give them props for that. Absolutely. They went up there. They got got the win. It's in the left column. I don't care. I'm just telling you moving forward, I'm not sure the Eagles – 
are that much different than the team that walked into New England expecting to lose other than they played a good game. In other words, I could easily see them getting beat here and beat easily. <laughs> you know. Sure. Uh, I'm going to call a timeout here. There's a call on the line, Emil, and it's, uh, it, looks, it, it has all the looks of being suspicious. So I'm going to take this call. Hang on to your hat. This may be a, you know, a, a gridiron okay. stud show moment. Caller, you're on a gridiron stud show. Well, Sergeant. What what's happening, man? What what's going on with your phone number here? You trying oh, to Oh, this is my second. This is my uh, this is my oh. business line, dog. Oh, <laughs> my, oh, my man, Les. Are you using burners or something? What am I watching? The show Twenty Four? You got a burner? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a, I got a burner. I got a regular number, and I got throwaway. Hey man, oh, this God. this man right here is uh, un unbelievable. This guy got me my first pager, by the way. Remember pagers? Yeah. Yes. Guy got me my first pager. I was Dr. I was official Wilson. the day. Pager, yeah, Dr. I was official Wilson. the day I got that pager. Yeah. Um, you know, I was able to get any broad I desired once I put that pager on my hip. It was a, it was a status yeah. sign. Thanks, Les. Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know how it is, bro. We gotta look out for each other. There you go. What what you got? So who do you have winning the Where? Heisman, Les? Oh, uh, man, I'm I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with the McCaffrey kid, man. I'm gonna shock the world. There you go. Well, he's deserving. Uh, I'm impressed by the kid. I'm impressed by him, no doubt. I mean, I understand Derrick Henry is a, is one of the top backs in the country, but like you said, Fournette we should have been on that podium as well, and if. Since Fournette is not on there, or that kid from Florida State on there, I think Christian has a chance. Yeah, uh, if I was ranking them one through three, uh, and this might piss some people off, but who cares? I think one for me is Watson, two is McCaffrey, three is Derrick Henry. That's how I would do it right now, the way I feel. Well, I, I don't think enough people have seen Clemson every Saturday compared to mm-hmm. – Late night, Saturday night, or midday, getting a chance to watch Alabama throughout, you know, 12 noon. Sure. I mean, sure. The, I mean, just the, um, just from a, broad, a, a broadcasting standpoint, I think I've seen uh, Kristen McCaffrey a little bit more than I've seen both of them. So that's the reason why I point towards the Stanford kid. Right. Um, what kind of a chance do you give Michigan State in their game against Alabama? Ooh, uh, out of all the years, this is probably our best year to compete with uh, Alabama. Then, I mean, they're still Alabama. I don't think they're the Alabama of old, where you know every last D lineman that they got is a first round draft pick, or every safety or cornerback is a first round draft pick. I think this is the most mediocre team that Alabama has. So I, mm. I, I give us a seventy five percent chance that we could beat them. Wow. So if if you were in Vegas making a line, what would it be? Um, I'll say six and a half, Alabama. I'll take the points. Wow. Well, I mean, well, that's let a me tell you. Number, let though. me tell you where I think Michigan State could beat Alabama. Um, you know, I always say Alabama is a team that they they want to play a game. You know, basically in a phone booth with you. And I think if there's one team in that field of the four that could step into the phone booth and maybe walk out, it might be Michigan State. Now, it's not going to be easy because Michigan State's going to, you know, basically try to trade punches with a puncher. So uh, that that but I do think your quarterback if he's healthy 
uh, gives you a little bit of an advantage. I, I don't like their quarterback a lot. I think he's, he's mediocre, and I think that's what makes Alabama more mediocre. I think their defense is excellent. Chad saw it up close and personal. I still love their defense, but I'm, I'm not sold on their offense. I think, you know, I think if you could figure out a way to not let Henry kill you um, and make, make the quarterback throw the ball and complete some passes, you could have some success there. Well, they don't have the depth of receiver as they used to have. Um, you know, having two first-round draft picks as receivers, you know, losing the kid last year uh, kind of hurts them. But they got some young talent. We'll see. I mean, I, I see us competing a lot better than than uh, most of the people in the media. So, I mean, we'll Yeah, see I'm looking – yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to to this matchup. Actually both both matchups, but uh I'm I'm really looking forward to this one, man. So appreciate you coming on early in the morning, man. Get rid of that burner. Nah, we got to keep them burners, baby. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, Les. Th- thank you for calling. All right, man. All right, getting back on our NFL uh move here. Atlanta and Carolina. Carolina is just storming through this thing. They just look like a big snowball going downhill. The numbers, though, in their favor starting to get higher and higher. Right now they're seven and a hook here uh, at home against Atlanta. Is there danger of them maybe relaxing at once at some point here? They're probably going to, you know. There be is, playing. but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's here. This is a pick for me. Um, you know, Seven and a half is a tough number to lay in the NFL because you get over a touchdown, it's a lot of points. But I'm doing it twice this week because this is a game where I just see Atlanta. I mean, they're in complete and utter free fall. I mean, this team's lost five in a row. They have zero confidence. They lost a close one on the road to Tampa. They're in the middle of a three-game road stretch. Thank you, Roger Goodell, if you're the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Three in a row. Mm-hmm. This is the second game on that trip, uh, on that stretch to Carolina. Uh, Carolina's full of confidence. You know, they back-to-back road wins, by the way, against Dallas and New Orleans. They have two road games after this against the Giants and Falcons. I think they win this one and win it easily at home. I really do. I think yeah, they just I'm, steamroll. Atlanta. I don't know if I'm. Uh, I don't know if I'm in that boat with you, man. Sorry to say. Uh, That's all right. Yeah. the 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 deal here is this: Carolina went out last week, and yeah, they did well to come back. But that 38 points that they gave up, that could be something. You know, somewhere in those 38 points, I think they may have laid out something for an opponent, Atlanta, to uh, to attack here and 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 have a chance. This is the highest point total they've given up this season, um, and uh, I'd be a little concerned about that 38 points that they gave up. I mean, New Orleans wasn't even really able to run the football in this game. A mere 70 yards rushing, and they were able to put up 38 points in this contest. I think there may be some holes. Um, there for Carolina that well, get masked in the not, fact that you wait, won wait, the game. Let's not discount the three turnovers, which 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 helped in in, well, in well, that turnovers point. Turnovers are I mean, a part of this game. Yeah, turnovers. I'm not, are a part I'm of not this arguing game, that. So. I'm saying that's very uncharacteristic for Carolina. At least the last month of the, you know the last month prior to this game, they made one turnover in four games prior. Uh, they went nuts down there. You know they got very sloppy. And I'm not saying you could you could be right. Maybe there is some lackadaisical, you know, thought process setting in because they're twelve and zero. I mean, I, I understand mm-hmm. your point. Um, I, I don't know. I just yeah. And usually I, it's I, like a it's a division opponent that can you know, can be the one to come in and get you because they they know you so well. So with me thinking Atlanta probably has a chance to win this game, it'd be tough for me to lay that seven and a half. I could be 
crazy wrong. You know, Cam could be out there dabbing his behind off on Sunday, and the Panthers run away with this thing at home. They've been great at home anyway. They've been great everywhere, but especially good at home. So just my two cents on it. I didn't think enough of it to make it a pick, so we'll roll with what you're saying on that. Johnny Manziel, uh, nothing cures your problem and the team's problem with drinking like losing 37-3 last week. Suddenly he's cured. Everything's good. Manziel will be back under center this week as the uh, mighty San Francisco 49ers come to town. I wouldn't dare make a pick on a game like this with 2-10 and ten facing 4-8. and eight. So uh, I didn't make no. anything official, but I'll roll with the home team here. Why would San Francisco win back-to-back games? What would they yeah, do I think it's for? hard to go on the road. You know, amazingly, San Francisco's been more competitive than I think a lot of people thought this year. If you remember everything that happened in the off season, I mean, if you you, mm-hmm. you take a look at their last uh, seven games, win against Baltimore. Now Baltimore's having a tough year. Then they had two games where they stunk the joint out against Seattle and St. Louis. Then they beat Atlanta. Then they then they lost at Seattle. They beat they lost a tight one with Arizona, and they go on the road and beat the Bears. I mean, they've been. I mean, I think a lot of people thought San Francisco was going to have Cleveland season this year. So it, sure. it's hard for me to back Cleveland. I, I, like you said, I, to me, this is a game where if you, if you really feel inclined to take it, you probably got to go get help. Yeah, it is a friends and family game. I just would find it rather strange that a 4-8 and eight San Francisco team that has been, uh, for the most part, dreadful, uh, would come up with back-to-back road wins, even with that second one being against Cleveland. Uh, Johnny Mann's show, uh, he's going drinking Sunday night. I, that's my prediction because uh, I yes. think Cleveland's winning this ball game. <laughs> I think they're going to end up with a victory in this one. Washington and Chicago. How bruised is Washington from this Monday night loss against the Dallas Cowboys? Can they pick themselves up off the mat? They're still in the race. Everyone's still in the race in that NFC East. So they've got something to play for here. Uh, Chicago was going well there for a while, and then eh, they kind of... Well, they gave it away Sunday. I mean, they had the game lined up to win it in regulation. The score is 20-all. They trot on Robbie Gould, usually a reliable, pretty reliable kicker. 30-yard field goal. And he if you shove sand up this guy's rear end, he would have he spit out a diamond on Sunday. That's how tight he was. He kicked this thing. He shanked it like a golfer. He looked like Tiger Woods hooking a drive, okay? I mean, it was brutal. Yeah, well, I saw it. Sucks, sucks for that guy. So I think the Bears are going to win this game. The Bears have been playing a lot better than people want to give them credit for. I mean, they gave away that game Sunday. That's part of the game, missing field goals. I get that. They lost a very tough one at home to Denver where they went for two um, at, and missed at the end. They lost by two points. But they've won three out of their last five, and those two losses were brutal. They've been playing some decent football, and I think the Redskins, uh, the Monday night game is going to be hard for them to recover from short week on the road. I, I, if I was making a pick here, yeah, I'd be on the Bears. I think everything about this game smells like a push, you know, uh, to from – from a point spread perspective, seventeen, fourteen, twenty to seventeen. I can't go either way with with this. Maybe no, the somebody's going to kick a field goal. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I sure. get that. Yeah, I mean you can see that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know how. Look, how much time do we need to spend on this next one? St. Louis Rams are a disappointment. Dreadful. The Detroit Lions. You know, the last time we saw them. Their quarterback was throwing his hat, and his top wide receiver was fainting on the field as Aaron Rodgers threw a Hail Mary prayer. And because you're the Lions, you lost. There's no other reason for that. And so I don't know the mind the mind frame of either one of these teams. So I wouldn't even you know begin to try and pick which one of these four and eight teams are going to get their act together. Rams, five losses in a row. 
have at that. Usually I'd pick a game like this for the folks by what team's uniforms I like better, but I like both their uniforms. I always like that Honolulu blue the Lions wore and the Rams, man. If they were those threads they had in L.A., God, I like those. So I don't know. I, I have no pick here. Yeah, me neither. San Diego and Kansas City, I like the way Kansas City is playing right now. Kansas City is, you know, probably slowly making themselves into one of the prides and joy of uh, the AFC, and who thought that was going to happen? But the problem right now is that Vegas is catching on, and they're putting these big numbers on them. And, you know, the way Kansas City plays football, you're always going to be nervous laying double digits with them. I don't care who they're playing against. They just are, are kind of a close-to-the-vest kind of team, though they've gone and kind of punched some opponents in the mouth. Man, let's look at what they have done over the last six weeks here. 34-20 at Oakland last week, 30-22 to versus Buffalo, 33-3 to against San Diego. Uh, they go to Denver and win by 16 points, 29-13. They destroyed the Detroit team, uh, 45-10. And then 23-13, I mean, all but one game has been double-digit wins for Kansas City. So I understand what the odds makers are doing here. But here's the thing. In those games, they weren't they weren't even touchdown favorites in any of those games. So they go from hanging around three to three-and-a-half-point favorites in those contests to, boom, now they're a ten-point favorite. And that kind of a swing makes me a little queasy. I don't know about you. Well, and it's too easy to, you know, for it just seems like, okay, here's a team that lost 33-3 less than a month ago to Kansas City. Uh, they they got beat at home last week, 17-3 by Denver. Uh, they're going to Kansas City. It just seems to me too easy to say Kansas City kills them again. So I have a feeling somehow, some way, whether they walk in the back door or not, San, San Diego covers a 10. I, I wouldn't make it a pick, but... You know, I have a feeling that's where that game's headed. And you know, quickly before we get off this game, Kansas City's got a shot here, a legitimate shot to win ten in a row to end this season. I mean, they play San Diego at home. They're at Baltimore. They're home with Cleveland and Oakland. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win all four games, but they got a legit shot to finish this season, the regular season, on a ten-game winning streak. Yeah, they're looking like a juggernaut right now, and all you know how it is. All you got to do is get hot in this thing. The next game I do have a pick on. Let me lay it out for you. I'm going to roll with the Buccaneers as four-point favorites in this game. They were good enough to go into uh, the Superdome uh, early on this season and get a win against the New Orleans Saints. Saints are a lesser team when they head out on the road and they're playing on grass. And uh, the Bucks are doing something. They're you know not entirely sure yet what it is, but they're doing something. They won three of their last four. Um, this includes getting a road win at Philadelphia, putting up 45 points in the process. They won a tough one uh, in uh, at home against Atlanta last week. I just kind of really like what they've got going on. The Saints coming in here riding a four-game losing streak. They've got to be totally deflated. I think they put a lot into that game last week against Carolina. They had it. And, uh, you know, if I could bang the podium and say they let them off the hook, I would do that. So, um, I think they're yeah. deflated coming into this game. It'd be hard for them to climb that mountain again. I like the Bucks as a full point. The Bucks could win this game, in my opinion, probably by a good eight to ten points. I like Tampa Bay as an official pick in this one. Yeah, I can't say I can't say I uh, I, arg- I can argue with you on that one. I think that's a you know one of those games where I almost made it a pick myself. I'm just not you know they're young still, so I'm not uh, quite trusting them. You know, but but I do yeah, I I'm do a- like. We're, you know, I, I do like what Tampa Bay is doing. 
I'm going to roll with my rookie of the year pick here. All right, we got to fly through these things. Colts, Jaguars, we're going to stat, and I'm almost inclined <laughs> to skip the Jets and the Titans as well. Let's talk New England Patriots and Houston Texans. Surprised by this line. I guess uh, Vegas hopping off the bandwagon a little bit. Patriots only three-point favorites against the Houston Texans, who are uh, kind of getting their act together here a little bit. Emil, they've won uh, four of their last five games. They did take a loss last week. What do you What do you think is going to happen in this one? Can the Patriots I lose three in a row? I almost pick. I just didn't have the wow. guts because you know what I have a feeling is going to happen here? You're scared the whole of Tom world. Well, pardon me? You're scared, scared of, Tom. of Tom. You are scared yes, of Tom and Bill. Yes, I am, because here's what I have a feeling is going to happen. The whole world is going to run to take New England in this game, mm-hmm. figuring they can't lose three in a row, right? They're the Patriots. They can't lose three in sure. a row, and they're only given three points. That seems too easy to me. Now, I, don't, I admit, I don't have the stomach to only take the Texans in three. If this was more like six, where they could lose the game 24-20, yeah, I'd probably take the Texans here. I, I, I'm not taking New England, not the way they're playing right now. They've got issues that are, you know, they have to address, and, and this is a good defense Houston has. So uh, if they go in there one-dimensional without Edelman and without Gronkowski, they're going to have a hard time moving the ball against the Texans. The world comes to an end if uh, the Patriots lose three in a row. It will literally come to an end. The next one, Raiders and Broncos, I've got to pick on that. I think the uh, Denver going to – I think they're putting them out there a little bit too far. Now, Denver doing some good things. Uh, they beat the Patriots, follow that up with a dominating win against San Diego. They've got a game at Pittsburgh next week. I don't know if their mind's going to be totally on Oakland. I think this is a chance for Oakland to slide in there. Raiders coming off of an embarrassing 14-point loss at home against Kansas City. No reason to really expect anything from them. And when we're talking about the Raiders, expect the unexpected. I like Oakland to go in here and fight like madmen and uh, sneak in under this number. I don't know. Maybe they they they, they win the game, but it, even if they don't, there's still a little room for them to not yeah. win and uh, cover the number. So I'm going to ride with a decent Oakland team against what might be a too big-headed Denver squad. Yeah, I like the logic there. I do. I like that logic. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. In normal circumstances, a game like this would be mega. It would be huge. But uh, we've got a Cowboys team that, uh, though they're trying to fall off the grid, the rest of the sloppiness of their division is keeping them in it. But they're just not a good football team right now. And the Packers are struggling. When's the last time they needed a prayer and needed to clutch rosary beads to get a win? It's what they did last week, got the win against Detroit. It's still Packers versus Cowboys. I don't have a pick on it. I wonder how many people are going to watch it, though. Oh, well, just they'll watch the laundry just because of those two franchises. Um, if I had a pick, I'd lay the seven. Um, I watched that game on Monday night, and somebody said to me something about the NFC East. I said the best thing that could happen in the NFC East this year is a player strike and the season gets canceled. I mean, that division is just brutal. Okay. I'm not sure it's, a scab team couldn't slide in that division and come out the winner. Well, I'm not, yeah, I mean, to, you know, I don't know what to say about the division. I just can't see Matt Castle, the way the guy throws the ball. I mean, it has like an arc to it. I just can't see him going into Lambeau and keeping this game close for some reason. So, if you, if you, I mean, I'll root for the Cowboys like hell, but if you made me pick it, I'm taking the Packers minus seven. Yeah, there isn't a line on this next game. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Seahawks and the Ravens. The Ravens are toast, uh, pretty much. Um, they're four and eight on the season. They're done, especially in, in in their division with Cincinnati running away with it and the Steelers uh, riding up there at the number two spot. So they're done. How much motivation they have in this game? I'm not sure, but see, that's another chance for Seattle to pile on another win and scare some more people. 
Um, we don't have a line to work with here, but I fully expect the Seahawks to win this game. Anything less than seven, I'd be on Seattle in this game. I, I just don't see much resistance from a, a Raven team with a backup quarterback. Uh, their season's a shambles. Uh, this is like play out the string. I'm not saying that when they're on the field they won't compete. I'm just not sure the preparation's going to be there to compete against a team like Seattle, which seems to be gearing up for a playoff run. So I'm with you on that. All right, so wrapping things up, my official picks are Cincinnati is a three-point favorite, Tampa Bay is a four-point favorite at home, and then Oakland catching seven points against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs on the road. So it's Tampa Bay minus four, Oakland plus seven, Cincinnati minus three. And recapping for for our listeners. I'm rolling with the Arizona Cardinals tonight as, believe it or not, a double-digit favorite against an 8-4 Vikings team. I think you're good on that one. I smell a blowout coming. Uh, I'm rolling with you on Cincinnati. We both agree there. And uh, finally, where you you are skeptical, I like the Carolina Panthers to continue their undefeated season in a big way over the Atlanta Falcons, giving seven and a half. Seven and a half. There it is. We're not going to jump into much of a college football discussion here, other than to tell folks what we're going to do in terms of picks for the bowl game. Uh, here's the idea, Amal. I think we picked 10 bowl games out of the uh, 97 bowl games that they have this season, and uh, we'll just see who hits the best out of those 10 games. Sound like a plan? Yeah, we, we can we can do it that way, or you know maybe we should do it as you know we we know a show's coming up, so maybe we pick you know we we try to select games as we go along with the limit of ten. So we'll keep track of our bowl rack. In other words, because if we lay out all ten in a show, you know we we'll be doing it three weeks in advance. People might forget. At least they'll have a reason to come back and listen because we're good at college. Well, there, well, well, there you go. We just had a well, you know what I mean. Uh, so like, you know, we just you had a producer pick, meeting on here. Yeah, I'll say, Chad, that is your eighth game. You are no longer, you know, you only have two more you can pick. <laughs> yeah, you're okay? you're good at that stuff. That's what I yeah, need in my life, more rules and regulations. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right, I'm kicking you out of here. i got to bring on the Gator man, Nick Delatore. Uh So I appreciate you coming on and uh, doing your fine duty as a host and getting us ready for the NFL I will see NFL you on season. Monday. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the games, everybody. Enjoy the Heisman Trophy ceremony, and uh, right. we'll catch you Monday. There you go. Emil Calamino over and out. I'm going to hop into a quick break. When I come back, Nick Dilatori from Gator Country to talk Gator football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. Oh! this paperwork. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers, handling the ones that you have now, and while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. 
How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. Probable trip at the beginning of the year uh, to the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Uh, not the outcome that they wanted, but nevertheless, as uh, Jim McElwain says, ahead of schedule. So, um, you know, that's the positive side of things. And uh, it's good to have my next guest on to uh, talk about his thoughts and uh, maybe some of the things that were going on around the SEC championship game. And that's Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Nick, thanks for joining us on the show today. Of course, uh, it was a good weekend in Atlanta. First, uh, first trip there for me, personally. Yeah, um, first trip inside of the Georgia Dome for me. Uh, the SEC championship game is definitely a good experience. If you're a real college football fan, something you you might want to take in, in in your lifetime. I I enjoyed uh, everything about it. Not the outcome of the game. Um, not the not the lack of production on the offensive side of the ball. But it was a pretty good weekend, and uh, it gives you a chance to understand why. Um, the SEC is what it is. Fans are serious about their football here in the South. They're serious about football in the SEC, and that was very, very evident. The place was packed, and at game time, you had uh, damn near as many people outside as you had inside. So SEC football alive and well in the South. Yeah, Trip Thurman kind of likened it to uh, the Florida Georgia game in Jacksonville, uh, except mm-hmm. you put a roof over the top, and the noise doesn't it doesn't really escape anywhere. Um, it, it's definitely, uh, I know the press box is right on top of Alabama's side of the stadium. So, uh, they were loud. People kept asking me, uh, did Florida fans show up? And I was like, I can see them, but, uh, I'm sitting on top of Alabama fans. So that's really all I can hear. Yeah. Well, from my standpoint, um, there were quite a few Florida Gator fans here. You know, Alabama mm-hmm. fans travel well, uh, a good, you know, a good, taste of that was when Callaway broke the punt return. That place got pretty loud. So that would suggest that there were quite a few Gator fans in there because I don't imagine any of them roll tighters would be making any noise as uh, Callaway ripped through the uh, punt coverage team there. Give me your thoughts. Uh, kind of wrap that thing up for me. Your thoughts on, on, on the Gator performance in this football game. Uh, you know, the the old saying that defense wins championships, um, Trip Thurman again, <laughs> Um, said it to me best. He said, you know, defense does win championships, but if the offense can't string together two first downs in a row uh, and get the ball in the end zone, you're not going to win games. Um, sure. For me, the SEC championship was this. It, it's Jim McElwain is, you know, uh, a Saban disciple, comes from that tree. He's trying to build what Saban has. I think what you saw was eight years versus one year. Nick Saban's had Mm -hmm. eight, nine seasons to build that powerhouse that he brought to Atlanta. Um, This is just Mm -hmm. Jim McElwain's first season. On last Saturday, it was one year exactly to the date that he was announced the head coach of Florida. So Florida wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, We picked them fifth. I think 
Me personally picked them fourth at SC Media Days, um, mm-hmm. so a year ahead of schedule. But I think that's really my biggest takeaway is Jim McElwain is, is building towards having the program that he faced. And you could see the difference in one year of building versus eight years, two recruiting classes worth of building. It'd be easy to look at this game and maybe a couple of the others that preceded it and just go ahead and blame it all on Trayon Harris. Um, is that would that would we be accurate in doing that or should the blame be shared in other areas as well? Uh you know, in today's day and age the quarterback gets more blame than they should, uh, and probably get more praise than they than they deserve when the team's winning. Um I I do think that we we've kind of seen the last of Trian Harris. I think personally, um he has four more quarters in a bowl game to be Florida's quarterback and, and then Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeyer will try to find uh, a different answer there. The mm-hmm. offense definitely took a step back um, after Will Greer's suspension. I can't, I don't think you can put it all on Treon. There, there's guys that, you know, it, it takes 11 players to play. So it, it's not all on the quarterback. Um, there are guys that we saw kind of running open that he's missing all year long and that's not going to help mm-hmm. you. Um I I do put some blame on Treon, but then there's also the fact that the offensive style that Florida wants to run doesn't really suit Treon, and and that's not Treon. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next question to you, Nick. Do you think with you know Will Greer being out and and you know he's out, it wasn't an ankle injury where he could possibly come back. You know the guy's gone. Do you think mm-hmm. they've done an adequate job tailoring this offense as you would have to 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 the skill set of the the guy that took over the controls? Um, I don't, and and I talked to a couple of players in the locker room um, on Saturday, and they said we we didn't take anything out of the playbook. We just stopped calling things. And to mm-hmm. me, that says, well, you essentially you took it out of the playbook. If you're not calling it anymore, mm-hmm. it's not, yeah, that is the definition of that. Sure. But that kind of it, it's it's limiting what you can do offense. There's only so many looks you can give if you're running, you know, uh, Coach Boone and, and remember the Titans. If you're on the same five plays. There's only so many looks you can give that before defenses start catching on. I think the what really handcuffs the coaching staff is what you have after Treon, um, a guy in Joshua Grady who was moved to wide receiver at Vanderbilt and a walk-on mm-hmm. in Jacob Guy. So if you want to use mm-hmm. Tran effectively, maybe you're running more read option, letting him run and use some of his natural athleticism more. Do you but want him getting hit, though? you're kind of hamstring because you don't want to have to play the guys behind him. My question was, well, why not do that against Alabama? I understand incredible team speed on defense from Alabama, but Mm -hmm. it's not like you have to play next week. If Treon had suffered an injury. (laughs) Let's sacrifice this guy. (laughs) You get through the game and he has a month until he has to play again. Sure. Let's just hope you don't get a four and a half week injury. Uh, running around with the football. I had an interesting discussion on Twitter last night as it relates to the 2016 class. There were some people banging on uh, McIlwain offering Kyle Trask out of Texas, a guy who's a backup on his team. Kind of take us through what you know about that whole move to to have him be a part of this 2016 class. What's the logic there? What the coaching staff see? Tell us as much as you know about that. Uh, Well, if you – Right now, uh, you know, Jim McElwain's not Ray Shrummond. He's definitely got a type. If you look at the quarterbacks they're going after, Trask is 6'6". Uh, I think Felipe Franks is 6'6". 
Jacob Eason's six five. They like a tall quarterback. Um, I was critical of, of them offering Trask before I became aware of the transfer rules in Texas. Being from South Florida, um, there isn't a transfer rule. <laughs> there are. Yeah, yeah. I, I said today you can go in. You can go in the locker room playing for one team and come out with the other team at halftime, and no one would bat an eye. Um, yeah, Maybe it's even just there. stay it's on tough. the field for each offensive series and just change jerseys in South Florida. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but um, it's, the, it's my tough. understanding and what I've been told is that it, similar to um, similar to college, he would have had to sit out a year um, if he mm-hmm. transferred, and it's very difficult to transfer in the state of Texas. So by the time you realize, you know, your junior year, okay, I might not, I might not be the starter here. You, you mm-hmm. can't leave. You're kind of locked in at that point. Um, right. I, I do think he's he's kind of a project, but big arm, tall kid. He's, he's got all the measurables you look for, and and I think that's fine to have. You don't need – I don't think Trask or Felipe Franks are your day one answer in 2016, and that's fine to have a guy like Trask who um, probably doesn't have the offer list that most Florida Gator recruits, commits have but someone that will be happy to be in Gainesville and, and will mm-hmm. work to prove everyone that has been doubting him wrong. So it, it's not bad to take, especially when you consider Florida has really one scholarship quarterback, two with Will Greer. They need depth at the position. Um, and to get a guy like Trask that can, can be a program guy, I think if you look at um, Sean McGuire at FSU, I believe he was in the same class as James Winston, uh, and, sure. and that worked out yeah. for the Seminoles this mm-hmm. year. Right, right. Because you don't know what's going to happen. A guy leaves, a guy transfers, mm-hmm. gets gets hurt, gets suspended, leaves early to go to the NFL. You never know what's going to happen with a class. So I think it's a pretty smart move uh, by the coaching staff. And kudos to them for going out there and beating the bushes and finding a guy like that. Uh, you have to do that's some kind of work too. to do that. It's, that's that's another thing too. It's you know when you're watching highlights of him, it's you know uh, spring jamborees, practice. Um, his high school team's up 40 points. Um, so it really takes a lot of, of research uh, by the coaching staff to go out and evaluate and, and to bring him into camps and to, and to watch him in person. So, uh, you know, it's not just the coaching staff's not just, you know, logging onto a recruiting site and being like, all right, well, who has five stars? Who's got four stars? And we'll just offer right. those kids. Yeah, I don't like that desktop recruiting. Get out there and find guys. Uh, you know what I mean? Because if when you're desktop recruiting, you're you're looking at the same guys everyone else is looking at. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I appreciate, appreciate that move by them. Well, immediately upon the game expiring last week, the thought now runs to next year. And uh, a big part of that is who's staying, who's going, who's leaving early. What what What's your intel on uh, the guys that are going to be leaving the Florida Gators early for next season? Um, to me, leaving, um, I had Vernon Hargreaves told us um, that, he, that he'll be leaving. Um, Jared Davis told us he'll be staying, which would be huge uh, for Florida. Sure. When you really a great look at guys, I think, absolutely. Um, and a guy like Alex McAllister um, only played nine games, tied for the team lead with six and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. But in the NFL, you're looking for a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, someone to protect the quarterback and someone to get after the opposite team's quarterback. And, and when scouts see a six foot six, 240-pound guy with that kind of fast-twitch uh, move that, that McAllister has, and I know he's very good friends with Dante Fowler, saw how well Fowler was able to do uh, at the Underwear Olympics up in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. 
McAllister's a guy that will have scouts drooling with his length um, and his speed. Mm -hmm. So to me, he's a redshirt junior. He's already been here four years, close to graduating. Um, He has a tough decision to make. I think he won't be a first-rounder and that if he comes back, plays a full season healthy, he can improve his draft stock, but I think he's up in the air right now. Uh, And Keanu Neal as well, um, a a good season for him. He's a junior. Um, I I still think he's going to weigh his options. He'll submit paperwork. Um, see what kind of feedback he gets and, and probably make a decision sometime soon after the bowl game on January 1st. Uh, Kelvin mm-hmm. Taylor, I think running backs, it's, it's just kind of a position that's not very highly respected or, or touted. It's not a position that teams are going to invest a lot of money in. Um, you saw mm-hmm. Matt Jones last year leave early and people wondered why. Sure. Well, you're not going to improve your draft stock much. If I'm Kelvin Taylor, I look at we're getting a Juco running back. We have the two Jordans coming back for their sophomore years. I'm going to be in a deeper backfield. And then I'm going to be entering a class with uh, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, and Leonard Fournette. So my draft class mm-hmm. is deeper. Uh, I don't right. think Kelvin gains much from coming back um, mm-hmm. or many running backs gain much from coming back for their senior season. So I think he would leave. Um, and then Demarcus Robinson, um, obviously – bunch of off-the-field issues that he's dealt with since at Florida. Um, and some people, because of that, maybe angry Gator fans, because of that, are saying he'll never be drafted. Mm-hmm. He's six foot one uh, and a, a freak. Every teammate, everyone in that locker room will tell you he's a freak. Um, maybe those kind, of got, those kind of receivers are a dime a dozen, but he will get mm-hmm. drafted. Um, I, I, I do think he'll leave early, um, probably play his last game in the bowl game. Yeah, I'm getting a f- – I'm getting a feeling that he might come back. I I, I think he's, mm-hmm. um, I think he knows he needs to mature. That's just a gut feeling, though. I don't have any uh, intelligence on that, but that just something tells me that that kid will come back. What about Marcus May? It's the last person I'll ask you about here. Yeah, Marcus May um, came into Florida with all kinds of crazy expectations. Um, a Florida kid from Bradenton, uh, four star, five star, depending on what site you were on. Um, took a red shirt and then kind of. Would something would happen? Was a starter as a redshirt freshman? Something happened, loses that role. Uh, was a starter as a redshirt sophomore? Gets beat by Philip Dorsett in Miami, loses mm-hmm. his starting role. Really came into his own this year. Pro Football Focus had him graded as one of the best safeties in the country um, this mm-hmm. year, and, and he's a guy who showed versatility. And if you're talking about NFL teams, he's a guy that saves you a roster spot. He can play mm-hmm. nickel safety and he's a guy who can play probably on every special team. So instead of right. having to get two or three players, Marcus May can kind of fill a void and save you a spot on that 53. Every NFL team wants somebody like that. And it's probably a big reason Trey Burton um, is still with Philadelphia because he saves a roster spot. To me, he's not a first round guy. Um, could sneak into the second, maybe a third round guy. Can he have a better season than he had this year? Because I thought he had a phenomenal season this year. And, and how much can he raise his draft stock? I think, personally, he should stay. Um, but he's a guy who might want to take advantage of having a career year uh, and certainly has a very important decision coming up. But I, th- yeah, I think he uh, would benefit from another year in school. Yeah, that's going to probably be the the toughest and the hardest decision to come down there. I think, uh, you know, he, he could be a guy next year that pulls down seven or eight interceptions, has some mm-hmm. type of, 
you know, Jim Thorpe award uh, consideration. Uh, you know, I think probably some of those deep balls he would like to have played better. That's something that you can improve on year over year. Uh, so it's not a situation of he needs to be taller or bigger or anything like that. It's, you mm-hmm. know, those are kind of things you really can't change. But from that standpoint, yeah, he probably could. Know, and, and knows that it could be a good defense and a pretty good team next year. So that's going to be very, very interesting. So um, looking forward to seeing who stays and who goes and have an idea of what they've got next year. But, hey, man, appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us all that information. You're going to get a two-week break here. We'll be back when we are heading into the bowl game. Uh, all right, I'll get a two-week break, so I will uh, wish you Merry Christmas then uh, now. Yeah, yeah, and the same to you, my friend. Enjoy the holidays, and uh, we'll talk. Have a good one, Chad. All right, that's Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Uh, so from the Gators, we're going to head over to the Florida State Seminoles. Kind of got after this guy a little bit this week. He didn't engage me much, but but I appreciate you coming on the Gridiron Stud Show. Boy, what's going on, Chad? Man, I, I've had a catch-up week. I, I, I was sick last week and and got uh, got got so behind on all those emails and stuff. I've just I've just been working long days and, and I wanted to engage with you more. You know, I, I yeah, well, and, uh, no, it's all good. Um, the uh, FSU Twitter put they definitely picked up the slack for you. Um, I was kind of going in on on you know the efficiency of Dalvin Cook in the game against Florida and this that and the other listen to me uh my point on it is this sitting there watching the game he was getting completely punched in the mouth for 3 quarters Florida's defense was getting after him i thought they did a better job than what i thought they were going to do I, i'm sure Florida state thought that they might find a little bit more room for Dalvin Cook in those first 3 quarters and i think after 3 quarters of watching the offense being able to do absolutely nothing against that FSU defense. I think the wind got out of the sails for the Florida Gators defense, and then Dalvin found some running room, a lot more running room in that fourth quarter. Folks can call that quitting. They could call it whatever they want. That's the truth of the matter. If that was a 10-6 to ball game in that fourth quarter, I don't think Dalvin runs like that. Just my I, opinion. I think he kind of started to wear him down. You know, if you look at how Derrick Henry did, through 26 carries, that's how many Dalvin had. Dalvin's numbers look a lot better. And for Florida fans, I would say it really is important to count all four quarters in the ballgame because otherwise uh, the Gators would have losses to FAU, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and East Carolina. So that'd be a – Sure, if you look at it from from that standpoint. A six-loss season. Yeah, who else is dealing, though, with what Florida's dealing with offensively? No one. Uh, and as someone who played defense, um, it does indeed have an effect. And one game that really comes oh, to I'm mind not, was my my, not, my not last college that, football that game. Yeah, my last college football game kind of went like that. Uh, we played against Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska is, uh, you know, one of those teams that will come at you, come at you, come at you. And on, on the offensive side of the ball, for some reason, we decided we wanted to go five wide receivers the entire game. And uh, we started having the three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. And in that fourth quarter, it didn't really come down so much to being, you know, physically tired. Yeah, we were. It was just now, uh, man, this we're not going to be able to do anything here. And so it that starts to seep in. Bad as it is, it happens in sports. So I think that played a part in it. Yeah, did they wear him down? Sure, I'll give him that. But I think that was part of it. But nevertheless, we're, I don't think we're going to agree on this one. So let's talk about Dalvin Cook. I will say this. I think we agree on this. Should have been in New York this weekend. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, look, look, let's go back to 2013 when Jameis Winston won the Heisman. 
he had 80% of the vote that year. I mean, it was one of the biggest landslides in Heisman history, despite the fact that, you know, ESPN always is always going to make it seem like there's a lot of drama. But they invited six people to the Heisman ceremony. I mean, guys like, like Trey Mason and the kids from Northern Illinois were there. And they had no business being there. They had no shot to win that thing. Um, but mm-hmm. you look at it, why only three this year? Why not yeah, invite why, I, I did want to know that. Why, why are there only three? Apparently it has to do with, with where the percentage breakdown of the, uh, of the votes lies. For instance, if you, had, if you had made the cut in 2013, essentially it would have just been Jameis' huge gap two through, or two through six, right? Apparently this year the gap is between three and four. So they, they cut it there at three and four. Now, I would have a counter theory, and I think it has to do something, that they invited six people uh, to New York in 2013 so they wouldn't have to broadcast two hours of Jameis, right? So they, they could tell mm-hmm. all the better folks' stories too. Maybe a little conspiracy mm-hmm. theory there in, in cahoots with ESPN. But the official explanation is that that's where the voting breakdown uh, kind of lies, and they always cut it depending on where the big gap lies. Right, okay. Um, you're not buying that, are you? Not, not really. It would no. suggest that uh, he wouldn't have had a chance, though, at winning the trophy. But there's, you know, there's some honor in being oh, invited. Oh, going to win it. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt. And if you look at the, um, you're not supposed to reveal your votes now, according to Heisman, but some writers still do. If you look at the Vegas odds, Henry is a, a slam dunk to win this thing. I, I don't think it's going to be close. Yeah, I, we, you know, we had this discussion earlier on in the show. Uh, in my in 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 my lineup, uh, he'd be number three. I'm really impressed with what McCaffrey did for Stanford. The, the various ways in which he hurt teams and got Stanford to victories this year in the return game, out of the backfield, rushing the football. Uh, but where, you know, I don't know how old a guy you are, but but the last time Clemson was in this kind of position at all, it was 1981. I was a nine-year-old kid. Um, and I think a big reason why they are where they are right now is Deshaun Watson, who's a guy I've had a chance to see in person. He's, uh, I, I think he's severely underrated. That would be my top guy. Uh, but I, I, I agree. I think, I think, I think if Henry I had a vote, I, I would vote Deshaun. Um, and, and I saw Deshaun in person. I, I saw him uh, in person multiple times coming up as a recruit in, in my trips to Atlanta. Really, really good player. And, and the thing is, he is that true dual-thread guy and, and made big-time throws the leader of that team pretty clearly, and the, the legs just add a different dimension to it. He's faced mm-hmm. as, as tough a slate of defense as anybody. You know, I mean, having to play all, all over. I mean, Boston College had one of the best defenses in the entire country this year. And yet, sure. you know, they, they, they didn't they, – you asked who else has a Florida-like position. Boston College, I'd argue, is worse. You know, they, they, they mm-hmm. lost all three of their quarterbacks and had to end up moving a receiver over there for a little while. Right, right. Yeah, Boston College, Florida State, Notre Dame's. Uh, you know they 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 had a tough road to hoe, and they, you know North Carolina doesn't bring a bunch of uh, defense, but what they do bring is a lot of offense, which means you on your side of the ball, you got to keep scoring too. So um, and they had what 640 uh, yards against Carolina, I guess. That I, I would give it to Sean. Sure. I'm right there with you. Yeah, that's that that would be my vote. Crazy. Hey, so I'm not a complete and total ACC hater, so uh, <laughs> I'm I'm with Deshaun Watson. I'm uh, <laughs> I am a tad bit level headed here. Um, there's this concern uh, for Florida State in this bowl game in that uh, two years ago you played for the national championship. Last year you were in the you were in the hunt for it. You were in this first year of the college football playoffs. So these things really meant to meant a lot. Now you're bringing uh, these group of players 
and you're asking them to play Houston, who, though they've had a great season, is still Houston, and it's in a bowl game that wouldn't really excite you, given what you've done the last two years. Do you share that concern, and and, and how do you think they're going to handle that? Uh, I would share it somewhat. Now, I will say this. If this had been last year's team that everybody expected to, to win another national title, and they, and they fell mm-hmm. short and they ended up in the Peach Bowl against Houston, and you had all these guys who were looking at their NFL draft stock and, and they had their minds elsewhere, I would have been mm-hmm. a lot more concerned, even though I think last year's team was more talented. This year's team is, is very young. I mean, they're probably only going to have like three or four guys drafted total. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's not a lot of guys who are eligible to leave. A lot of guys are still playing for spots next year on this team. And you can be sure Jimbo's saying, hey, what's the last impression we have of you going into the offseason? It's this right. bowl game. You know, don't don't let don't let your, your, the, the other guy competing for your job outwork you, outplay you, and, and then then he all of a sudden he, he gets first team reps in the spring, and you never get your job back. That's the way Jimbo's right. selling this, and I, I think that's a pretty mm-hmm. smart way to sell it with with a young team. Now you can't do that if if the guys who are playing a lot of key spots are seniors and, and they're not worried about their they're keeping their job in 2015. So. I would be more worried about it if it was a very veteran team that was let down. But for this team, they're looking at this like making this bowl is an accomplishment. You know, people didn't – they weren't picked to win the ACC. You know, they weren't picked to go to a bowl like this. I think most people thought they would lose, you know, two or three games this year, and, and they did. But they – you know, it was only two, not three, and they, they're looking at it like, like somebody proud of. Yeah, uh, well, it's – would be in their best interest to come out looking tough in this one. And, you know, I could certainly buy what you're telling me there about keeping the competition alive between those younger guys who are going to really want to be front and center with with next year's team. So who are the guys, I'm going to ask you what I asked Nick, who are the guys that Florida State fans might need to worry about leaving early uh, off this roster this year? There's really very few. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, I think we can all assume he's gone. And uh, right. he's being projected in the top ten for pretty much every mock draft so far. He's a guy that has corner and safety versatility. He's going to come in at you know o- over six foot one. Uh, he's probably has a legitimate shot to set the all-time combine record for the uh, for, for the for the broad jump. Uh, so that, mm-hmm. that, that, that that'll help him in the eyes of some scouts there. And uh, I'm sure. going to be very impressed. It's his first year playing corner, and he held his own mm-hmm. uh, you know, against mm-hmm. a pretty good receiver. So. Uh, Ramsey certainly, I, I project to be gone. After that, uh, the kicker, uh, Roberto Aguayo, who's, who's already you know won the Groza once and, and was a Groza finalist again. Um, yeah, that guy's I, a he, weapon. He is. He, he's, a, he's a great kicker. I mean, uh, uh, by the way, Florida State, if he does go, is going to have mm-hmm. uh, one eighth of the kickers in the NFL: Dustin Hopkins, Sebastian Jedikowski, Graham Gano, and Aguayo. How about so that? One How about every, Janikowski yeah. still kicking footballs? I mean, that's see to me that's almost like like a it's almost like a skill like throwing darts or something. You know, it's like I don't know if you're really an athlete mm-hmm. if you're a kicker, but man, if you're good at it, you can make a a hell of a lot of money. So you got those two guys. I, I think Aguayo will go. I don't know what he can really gain by coming back, um, and especially mm-hmm. because kickers are going to be in higher demand now due to the new extra point rule. You know, if you're exactly. a really elite kicker. Uh, this is actually a good time to be coming out. The two guys that I think are, are the dudes to watch who, who have a decision to make, Demarcus Walker, who had a really good year uh, for the Knowles this year, defensive end. The only thing is he's not the most explosive guy. He's kind of a, a high-effort, you know, relentless type, and he's mm-hmm. not the, the biggest, longest type. So he's not a true 3-4 end 
but I'm not sure he's a true four three pass rushing end either. And, and if, if your if your primary thing is a four three end, is that of, of a run stopper, effort type guy? I don't know how highly you're going to be drafted. So it might make sense to come back and, and do kind of what Jonathan Bullard did this year uh, and really improve your draft stock. I don't think sure. Walker will leave. Uh, he hasn't indicated that he will. The other guy is Marquez White, who some people think played, and I don't, I don't, but some people think played actually even better than Jalen Ramsey did this year and, and did a great job. He had a good year. Corner. He was, he's really, really good. I mean, there's no doubt. And it's his first year uh, starting for him. Remember, he was a basketball guy. This is his first year mm-hmm. actually being fully, fully devoted to football because he finally quit the basketball team, put on that size. Uh, I believe he has a kid. That's what I'm watching there because I think he would do really well at the combine. Um, we'll have to see. I, I think Florida State expects him back, but I, they're, they're not going to count him in until the paperwork's back. Well, you know, I personally that's really find, it. That kind of uh, speaks to the youth of this team. Yeah, yeah, I I personally find a cornerback interesting for some reason. Um, <laughs> if, yeah, if you lose both, <laughs> if you lose both Ramsey and White, uh, what what happens at that position next year? They're lucky they've recruited it really well. Um, you, you got T Mac, who I, I know you're, uh, you're, you're familiar, familiar with that with kid. There. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and coming along well from what I understand. So mm-hmm. that's that's good to hear. Keeping a good attitude. Uh, you have Marcus mm-hmm. Lewis, the kid they pulled out of D.C. last year who can play corner or safety. You have a commitment from Levante Taylor, who's the number uh, number one corner in the country and, and is kind of uh, – I think he's immediately going to be their their starting punt returner next year mm-hmm. uh, and, and probably will be able to play uh, some in the slot as well. And you also have um, uh, Antoine Jackson, who they got out of Georgia two years ago. Those, mm-hmm. those If you lost both corners, those would be your, your four who you'd be looking at to battle. So they'd be young, although obviously pretty talented. Yeah, um, you know, that position seems to be getting younger and younger every year. It's not inconceivable to have a freshman come in there and start. You know, we watched Damon Marshall doing it this year at USC, so it's not the craziest thing in the world for uh, a freshman to come in there and and, uh, start getting some burn right away. So, you know, uh, interesting. This is that time of year where you, you know, worry about who's coming, who's, who's, who's staying and all that good stuff and, um, glad to have you here to sort it out, man. Well, listen, uh, not going to talk to you on the show here for the next two weeks. So I'll go ahead and tell you a, a Merry Christmas and, uh, looking forward to speaking with you before that bowl game against Houston. All right, Chad, Merry Christmas, man. I'll, I'll uh, talk to you then and, uh, and, and have a great one. All right, same to you. That's Bud Elliott from TomahawkNation.com. Uh, both of my guests here are part of very good websites for their respective schools. Uh, Tomahawk Nation, in my opinion, is the leader in terms of uh, Seminoles football information that you could follow on the Internet. So certainly give him a follow at Tomahawk Nation on Twitter and then go to TomahawkNation.com for all of the latest articles and information on Florida State football. And as for GatorCountry.com, uh, it's definitely one of the leaders in information not only on Flor- on Florida Gators football, but they cover all of the sports there. And Nick and uh, Andrew Spivey do a really, really good job of combining on following team news as well as recruiting news. So uh, you can't go wrong if you go there and get your information on Florida Gators football. So I appreciate both of those guys coming on. I appreciate you guys for listening to the show today. We got in the NFL picks, uh, Emil and I. We got that down, got you ready for the NFL weekend, and uh, got you up to date on the uh, Florida Gators and Florida State Seminoles as we uh, head into a dead period, head into a vacation here as uh, we – head towards the holidays so not a ton going on in terms of team news we hope 
we hope everyone behaves themselves. So uh, good to get you updated on that. I'm not done, though. Tomorrow I'm going to come back on at 10 a.m. going to do a lot with high school football as Class 5A through 8A in the state of uh, Florida decide who their champions are going to be. They'll be in Orlando this weekend figuring all of that out. And we'll talk a little bit more college football. But I'm back on tomorrow at 10 a.m., so be here. For now, thank you for listening to the show. Enjoy the rest of your day. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.